Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. Billy Sunday once said, it doesn't matter how well you start if you fail to finish. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8, the scripture tells us that the end of a thing is actually better than its beginning. When you look at people and why they quit on dreams, there are many different reasons, but let me just mention a few to get our minds going in the right direction. Why people quit on their dreams. Number one, there's a lack of confidence. They lack a confidence in themselves. Number two, there's the fear of failure. What happens if I begin and I'm unable to finish it? Number three, there's an unwillingness to accept personal responsibility. People have to stop waiting for something to happen to them and they need to make something happen for them. You've got to take personal responsibility for your life and what you feel God has called you to do. Number four, there's an unwillingness to pay the price. Every dream comes with a price and it never goes on sale. You have to pay the full price. Number five, there's a failure to live with a sense of destiny, to get up every morning and to sense that God has a calling on my life, that there is a destiny for me and my family. You have to live with that sense of destiny. And if you do, I promise you, your destiny will find you. And then the last one I wanted to mention, number six, is not understanding. The reason people give up on their dreams is they, they don't understand the journey is more important than the destination. People refuse to start a journey, to start a dream because they're afraid they won't reach the goal. But that's not the point. The journey and the process that you go through and what it does to you as a person is more important than the actual destination that you will reach. The greatest threat to the pursuit of any dream is the self-defeating thoughts that we all have lack of confidence, fear of failure, unwilling to pay the price. Self-defeating thoughts is your greatest enemy. Winston Churchill said this, success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. I often tell leaders when I'm speaking to them, I don't mind if you fail, just make sure you fail forward. Make sure that you get up and you try again. Just don't go backwards. You see, failure only becomes a reality at the moment of quitting. Failure doesn't have to be final, and it won't be final as long as you don't quit. We find inspiration concerning this issue with the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 20, and verse 24, Paul said, but none of these things moved me. The things that were around him, his circumstances, his trials and tribulations and his difficulties. He said, none of these things moved me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. He was willing to put everything on the line. He said, I do not count my life dear to me so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord to testify to the gospel 
of the grace of God. The apostle Paul said, I want to finish. I want to finish the race that God has given me. And then we go forward into 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 8, and the old man of God is getting ready to leave this world, and he's trying to inspire the young preacher Timothy. He's given him some words of wisdom. And he says in verse 6, for I am already becoming poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. He said, I've done it. I have fought the fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. In the beginning, Paul said, I want to finish this thing. And at the end, he was able to say, I did. And so today, I want to share a word with you that I believe Holy Spirit dropped in my heart. And we'll title this, Just Finish It. Father, bless the reading of your word. May today there be an anointing to inspire your people to run, to run well, and to finish well. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Finishing well, we all want to finish well. I believe that a soldier should die with his boots on. That comes out of an experience that I had in 2009. But let me go back and talk to you for just a few minutes about some men of God that have inspired me. My family and I were pastoring in Columbus, Ohio from 1998 to 2003. And while I was there, I had in my congregation a retired minister. Now, he had ministered, pastored. He was involved in the district office. He was well-known in that district, in that area, and he was a man of God with great integrity, and he was a, state, a stately gentleman. Now, Brother Davidson was 94 years old at this time. He would come in on Sunday mornings. He was dressed very meticulous. He was a, a smaller man, and at 94, year, 94 years old, he was still living by himself and still driving a car. When he was in his 80s, he went to Ohio State University to take a class on computers because he wanted to volunteer part-time at the district office and help out, and he needed to work a computer. So he went back to school to learn how, and he was the oldest student at Ohio State University. But he would come in on Sunday mornings, and I got to where I would invite him back to my green room to pray with me before the service started. And when that old man would walk in the room, God's presence filled the place. And I would say, Brother Davison, will you pray for me before I go out to preach? And he would lay his hands on me, and it was such a privilege and such an honor. One Friday morning, I was at the church uh, conducting a prayer meeting, which was our custom at that time. And I was on the stage walking back and forth and praying and seeking God. And I was considering Sunday, and I was looking to the, to the service and what God wanted me to preach on. And Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, you're not to preach on Sunday. So I went to my office and I was lingering, actually waiting for a phone call. I assumed that uh, there would be a visiting minister in town, a missionary, or someone would call me up and say, hey, pastor, I'm open this Sunday. Would you, would you like for me to come and preach for you? 
And I sat as long as I could and the phone wouldn't ring and nobody came by. So I finally stood up from my desk and I was frustrated. And I said, well, I've got to go home. I've got to prepare a message. And when I stood up, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, have Brother Davidson speak. So I picked up my phone and I called him up and I said, hey, man of God, this is pastor. Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're to preach on Sunday. He said, well, pastor, if that's how you feel, I'll do it. And that Sunday, Brother Davidson at 94, 94 years old stood in that pulpit and he preached a message entitled, One More Time, Lord. And he spoke about the book of Acts and the outpouring in chapter two and how that one more time we needed an outpouring of God's spirit across this nation. When the old man of God finished and he walked off, there was a holy hush that came over the congregation because we all knew instinctively that the old man had preached his last message. That Tuesday, I got a phone call that said, Brother Davison is in the hospital. So I drove up to the emergency room and I walked in and his daughter, Roberta Crabtree, who was the wife to the present district superintendent was there and uh, his granddaughter who uh, worked for me was there and I walked up to the bed and I said, Brother Davison, what's going on? And he said, oh, pastor, I'm okay. And then he looked up to the ceiling and he began to talk about God and he began to talk about heaven. And I knew in that moment that that old man was going home. And the next day, he died. He died with his boots on. I remember in 2009, 2009, in December of 2009 is the the, the month in which my pastor, Bert Clinton, passed away. I believe it was December the 13th, 2009. Three months before that, I was headed to the office one day and I was coming over the overpass uh, over uh, East Tex Freeway here right by the church, 11th Street overpass, uh, coming over East Tex Freeway. And when I got on top of the overpass, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Brother Clinton won't be with us much longer. Three months later, I got the phone call that he had cancer. And I received the phone call early on a Sunday morning that he had passed away at midnight in his home, having kept the faith, having run the race, the old man of God. Once again, he died with his boots on. Two men of God that I've watched, two men of God that I instinctively knew that they're their end had come. I knew, and I watched them as they were men of God, stately men of God that ran the race, that finished the course, and they kept the faith. I have seen what it looks like to finish well. I've seen it. Victor Frankel, who was one of the survivors of the Holocaust, Auschwitz camp, said this, Everyone has his own specific vocation or mission in life. Everyone must carry out a concrete assignment that demands fulfillment. Therein, he cannot be replaced, nor can his life be repeated. Thus, everyone's task is unique as his specific opportunity, Victor Frankel. When they interviewed Victor years later, they asked him, how did you survive the Holocaust or Auschwitz? He said this, I never lost hope. He said, I could tell, I could always know when uh, one of the prisoners was going to die because they would lose hope. They would lose a sense of purpose in living. 
and it wasn't long until they died. But this dear gentleman, this Jewish gentleman was able to survive the Holocaust because he always had a a hope about him. He lived with a sense of destiny that God had a calling on his life. And so he had to survive that death camp. He had no choice. As he stated, there is a concrete assignment on my life that demands fulfillment. And so he was able to survive that awful nightmare because there was an an assignment that God had given him. There's an article that's been put out and it lists 10 reasons why this generation is soft and they're not able to endure the trials and the tribulations of life. 10 reasons. I'm going to give you just six of them. Number one, They've been taught that everyone gets a trophy. When you compete, everyone gets a trophy. They don't understand that in life, there has to be moments of winning, but you also have to learn how to endure losing. Number two, they do the minimum. They think the minimum equals success. Just do the minimum requirement and then you'll be guaranteed success. They don't understand what it means to go the extra mile, to put in the hard work, in order to truly be significant and successful in life. Number three, they're unable to receive criticism. If you bring constructive criticism to them, they fall apart because they grew up on the soccer team where everybody got a trophy. Number four, they have a sense of entitlement that all the success that their forefathers had is now being given to them and they're entitled to live the life that others have lived. Number five, there's a failure to finish. We've learned how to get an incompletion on a test at school. A failure to finish. If I don't like this job, I'll leave and go to that one. If I don't like this marriage, I'll divorce him or her and go to this one. There's a failure to finish. We don't have the ability to endure and to finish the things that we start. There was a time in this nation when a man's word, his handshake, was a covenant. Now, it's not true. We fail to finish so many things. And then number six, an unwillingness to take risk. We're afraid of failure. We lack confidence. We don't want to put in the extra hours and work hard to make things happen for ourselves and for others around us. And so, we don't take risk. If we're not guaranteed success, then we don't take risk. If I'm not assured that that my ministry is gonna be a hit, then I won't even try. Unwilling to take risk. Six of the 10 reasons they listed why this generation is soft and unable to endure trials and tribulation. One of the things I've been concerned about with the pandemic and the COVID-19 is that we're falling apart over should we wear masks or not? Safe distancing, social distancing, what should we do, what should we not do? And I'm wondering if a real true uh, catastrophe hit our nation, would we be able to endure it? You see, we must begin to teach and demonstrate the concrete, the concrete of character for this generation. As Viktor Frankl said, every man and every woman must live with a sense of destiny and there must be this concrete assignment 
that they feel compelled to fulfill. And we must begin to teach that and demonstrate that to this generation, to teach them that your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. And there is a concrete, that means it's unmovable. It's unmovable. Paul said, I'm unmoved by the things that surround me. There's a calling on my life to preach the gospel. And he said, I just want to finish it. I just want to finish this thing. He was concerned about finishing, but we have failed to teach that to this new generation, that concrete of character, that my life is not my own. And I cannot be moved by circumstances, the economy, rejection, criticism, popularity, and dare I say it, social media, what people say about me, if they accept me or reject me. We have failed to teach this generation to stand up in the face of opposition and to stand on principle, to stand on truth and to declare the gospel. Afraid, if I say homosexuality is a sin, that somehow I'll be rejected, criticized and attacked by the media. Love the sinner, yes. Reach out to the sinner, yes. Care about people and their bondage, absolutely. Give my life to see men delivered, absolutely. But still having the courage to speak the truth in love and call it like it is, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, child abuse, it's all sin. Not against any one people group, but simply declaring the truth about sin, loving the sinner, reaching out to the sinner, but declaring truth about the sin so that the sinner can go free. You see, we need to teach this generation to teach them that concrete character that you can speak truth and love, that you can lay down your life for others, that you can lay down your life for people that are in bondage and strongholds and deception that are living a lie to bring the light of the gospel to them so that they can walk out free. We have to teach this generation the concrete of character to start well, to run well, and to finish well, to stand up for truth in this hour, regardless of what the trend is or the fad is, regardless of what the pressure is, but to stand up for truth and to finish well, to teach them that a soldier dies with their boots on. You see, we have to fight the compulsion to quit. Ecclesiastes 7 and 8 again says, the end of a thing is better than its beginning. You have to fight that compulsion to quit. And there is a compulsion to do it. There is, a, there is that compelling force that pulls on all of us, including me, to quit. When the going gets tough, you want to quit. I've told you this story before that when I was a boy, I say a boy, I was 30 years old. I'd moved to Austin, Texas to start a church. Uh, I left Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola, Florida. That was a great church. It was at that time, it was probably the top 10% of churches in America and the Assemblies of God. 
had a great church, a great opportunity, and I could have stayed the rest of my life. But I felt compelled to go to Austin and to start a church. So I went into Austin and I started a church. I had no money. I had a family. I, I rented a place to live. I rented a building and I had $100 in my pocket. And I needed about $1,000 a week to make it. I remember the pressure that came on me, how hard it was. At one time, I was working a full-time job, a part-time job, and starting that church. And I remember one day I got wearied and I got tired and I picked up the phone and I called Brother Clendenin, who I spoke of earlier, who was my pastor. He was a sergeant in the Marine Corps who fought in World War II. He was at Guadalcanal and others. And he was a great man of God and he was a great soldier. And I called him up and I said, Brother Clendenin, Austin, Whew, this is a tough town. It's a government town. It had the University of Texas. It was a liberal town. It was a tough town. At that time, only 11% attended church. And I said, man, this is hard. This is a tough town. And he said to me, and Randy, it's going to take a tough man. And I said, pastor, I understand. And I hung up the phone and I never called him again. You see, he taught me that when the going gets tough, the tough get going that you've got to be able to fight that compelling force to quit, to give up when it's not easy. That's what leaders do. That's what soldiers do. And Paul said, I must endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You've got to fight that compelling force to quit. And the thing is this, and this is what we have to teach this generation. If you never experience crossing the finish line, you will stop entering the race. If you never know what it's like to cross the finish line, then you're gonna stop trying. You need to know what it's like to race, to run, to lose, and to win. You need to know what it's like to finish. You have to know what it's like to run, to try, to compete, and to cross that finish line, and to know that winning is not really the highest goal, though it's important, it's not the highest goal, the highest goal is to finish. We need to teach our young people to start and to finish, no matter how hard it is. They need to experience that crossing the finish line, because if we don't teach them to finish what they start, they're gonna, quit, they're gonna stop starting things. They're gonna stop racing. They have to know what it's like. George M. Moore said this, a winner is just a loser who tried one more time. That's why I said earlier, failure is not final. And I don't mind you failing, just make sure you fail forward. Make sure that you don't quit. And as long as you refuse to quit, failure will never be final. You get up and you try again. A winner is just a loser who tried one more time. We all know branding and how important it is. Nike said this, just do it. But I'm telling you today, just do it. Finish it. Finish what you start. Finishing well. Let me talk to you for just a minute about the crown that the apostle Paul spoke of. The crown, he said, for doing the right thing. 
for doing the right thing. And verse eight, he said, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. The word righteousness in the Greek means condition acceptable to God, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. Correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. Righteousness. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about doing the right thing. Doing it the right way. Righteousness. I often say that I'm not doing everything perfect, but I sure am, sure am trying to do it right. That's what God is looking for. Men and women that have a pure heart, clean hands. Not perfect people, but people that are doing it in righteousness. Just trying to do it the right way. Let me talk to you about success in life. Paul laid it out here for us in righteousness. Correct thinking, correct feeling, and correct acting. How do you be success in life to get a crown? Number one, a renewed way of thinking. You gotta change your thinking. Remember, the greatest obstacle you face in life is the self-defeating thoughts every day. I can't, they won't, God never will. Self-defeating thoughts. So you gotta renew your mind by the washing of the word. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So here's the statement again we've made many times. You can't live a positive life with a negative mind. If, you've all, if you're always seeing the glass half empty, if you're always suspicious of people, then you're never gonna be successful in life. You need to think right. Number two, never put passion ahead of principle. Righteousness means to feel right. Never put passion ahead of principle. Stand on your principles. This generation is always talking about what I feel. I just feel, it feels right. It feels good. I feel, never put passion ahead of your principles. If you do, you're gonna quit when the going gets tough. Your passion will override your principles. When it gets too hard, the criticism comes, the rejection comes, you're gonna give up and stop. You see, Gifting will take you where character won't, but character will keep you where gifting alone never will. I've seen men and women of God in my life shoot up very quickly in the ministry or in business. Their gifting just skyrockets them. They go real high, real fast, but they're not able to maintain that height because they lack the character to stay there. Gifting's important. Gifting is important. Skill set is important. People skills, personality, charisma. These things are important. We understand that. You've got to have that gifting, that thing, that inner thing that God puts in you, that skill set that you've learned to develop. You have to have it. But more important than that is your character a character that will stand on principle and push passion aside when necessary. Your gifting will take you there, but only your character will keep you there. Number three, he talked about righteousness being the right action. So you've gotta be able to take calculated risk in life. You gotta take a risk. You gotta be willing to do what others are afraid to do. You see, fear causes you 
to overestimate the risk. Now think about that. Fear will cause you to overestimate the risk. Fear will cause you to say, but what if? What if I start that business and I take that calculated risk? Fear will say, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. You're gonna, you're gonna go bankrupt. You're gonna lose everything you've got. You're gonna destroy your family. You see, fear will cause you to overestimate the risk. What if I start that ministry? What if I get involved in the church? What if I try something different? Fear will cause you to overestimate the risk. Fear will always cause you, and this is not a real word, but I use it. It will cause you, fear will cause you to awfulize a situation. It will cause the shadows to loom above you and intimidate you and say, don't do it. It will intimidate you every time and it will cause you to back off of calculated risk. I say calculated deliberately because you do need to seek and use wisdom with any endeavor. You need to saturate it with prayer and let Holy Spirit lead you. But once God gives you the green light, step out of the boat that others are afraid to step out of and walk on water and do what few men are willing to do. Just keep your eyes on God and you'll always be successful. Calculated risk. You see, an extraordinary life is the results of ordinary people making extraordinary decisions. When you look at men and women in this world, whether it's in the secular arena or the sacred, the ministry and, and the marketplace, when you look at successful men and women and they're living a, an extraordinary life, you're going, wow, look at those guys. Man, isn't that amazing? But you have to know that they're just ordinary people who are willing to make extraordinary decisions, daring to dream and to follow their dream. And they fought the urge to quit when the going got tough. If you want to be a success in life, if you want to live an extraordinary life, a life of significance where you make a difference and you change the world, you've got to be willing to change your thinking, to put principle ahead of your passion, and you've got to be willing to take risk. That is righteousness doing it the right way. But let's look at our text and Paul's pathway to success. He said, my success, the results of my life, the reason I was able to do this is because number one, I fought the right faith or the right fight, excuse me. I fought the right fight. He said, I have fought the good fight he identified it. He didn't say, I just fought. He said, I fought the good or the right fight. You gotta be careful the fights that you pick. You gotta be careful what you involve yourself in. You gotta know what is your fight and the fight that is not yours. You see, 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 28, you remember the story of David. He's got his men. He's, he's running from Saul. 
He's, he's in an encampment. He sends word to Nabal and says, hey, send me some food for my men. And, and the guy said, I'm not doing it. And, and David said, well, I'm gonna take his life. And there's a lot in that story. And so David loads up with his men. He's gonna go and kill every male in that man's home. And, 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 and Nabal's wife, Abigail, she heard of this and she was a smart old girl. And so she, she ran out to, to, to uh to encounter David and to stop him. And she said something to him in verse 28, 1 Samuel 25, 28, that was amazing. She said, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, David. You're gonna be a success in life because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. That old gal was smart. She was reminding David, who was a soldier, a warrior, David, you're gonna be a success in life because you're gonna fight the battles that the Lord tells you to fight. And this one with my husband, this isn't the Lord. You're doing this in the arm of the flesh. And that's not the pathway to success. David said, whew, you're a smart old gal. And he backed off and she saved her husband's life because she appealed to the greater angels in David that were shouting down his demons. Yeah. She reminded him that you're a man of righteousness and you only fight the good fight, the right fight, the battles of the Lord. So Paul taught us that the key is you gotta fight the right one. You will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks at you. So don't get caught up in people saying you can't. They never will, God won't telling you that you're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. You can't get caught up in all the fights that are happening around you, all the people. Most people give up on their dreams because of these self-defeating thoughts. And many times those thoughts come from the voices that are around you. Don't start that business. Don't step out on that limb. Don't take the risk. Don't get out of the boat. Don't walk on the water. You'll fail. You can't. God won't. People never will. You've got to be careful that you don't listen to all that. Don't throw rocks at every dog that barks at you. You're never going to get there. You've got to learn to turn down the noise. The enemy in this ear telling you you can't. People in this ear telling you God never will. You've got to stop listening to all of that. And you've got to Push down those self-defeating thoughts and you've got to fight only the battles that the Lord gives you. Stay in your lane. Run your race. Do what God's called you to do. Fight the good fight and let the rest of it go. Number two, Paul said he finished what he started. I have finished the race, he said in verse seven. In Micah chapter seven and verse eight, the prophet said, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Man of God said, look, just because I fall down, don't gloat because I'll get back up. Failure is not final. You gotta get up and try again. Paul said, I finished it. I finished it. You gotta, you gotta get up. You gotta finish it. You will rise again. Number three, Paul, talking about the success in his life, he contributed to that to keep your faith. 
He said, I have kept the faith. Keep your faith and let everything else go. Let it go. All the criticism, the rejection, the mistakes, the regrets, all the negativity, all that the world throws at you, all that life throws at you. Keep your faith and let everything else go. If you lose your job, keep your faith. If you lose your health, keep your faith. If you lose your friends, keep your faith. If you lose your reputation, keep your faith. Keep your faith. No matter what you lose, keep the faith and let everything else go. You gotta let it go. Pick your battles, finish what you start, cling to your faith and let the rest of it go. So listen to me. Every man, every woman, every young person that is listening to my voice in Texas, in the United States, and if you're outside the States, listen to me. Failure is not final, but you've gotta know quitting is not an option. Just finish it. You gotta finish it. Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on your calling. Finish it. Finish it. Stephen, come help me. You gotta finish it. And closing this morning, I have a video that I'd like to show you. It's a video of a young man that entered into the Olympics in 1992. Now, this is a young man that prepared his entire life for this one moment in time to be in the Olympics in Barcelona in 1992. Derek Redman, all his life, he prepared for this one moment. And when he got to that one moment, he watched as his dream shattered in front of him. But I want you to see what he did next. Watch this short video and I'll be right back. Tom Hammond and Craig Massback back at Olympic Stadium in Barcelona coming up to the men's 400 meter semifinals. Here are the lane assignments. Steve Lewis in lane three. Top four to Wednesday's final. Steve Lewis in lane three. Roberto Hernandez out quickly in four. Now down the back stretch. Ismael on the left of the screen is running very, very quickly. And inside of Lewis, Sunday Bada of Nigeria. And Derek Redman of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redman is out. Derek Redman, the British record holder and an important member of that British 4 by 400 meter relay team as he doesn't want anybody to help him. It'll be Lewis to win in 44.50. Look at this. He's going to try to finish his semifinal race. The British have a certain tradition of running which you have to respect a bizarre finish to this first semi-final in the men's 400 meters Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch he's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane and now the pain too much. 
swelling throughout Olympic Stadium as Redmond, with assistance this time, approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. That is the Olympic spirit. Such a story. All his life, he had prepared for that one moment. And in that one moment, as he could see the finish line, he heard a pop. His Achilles heel, his hamstring, that muscle had torn, crippled him, he dropped to the ground. But he found the strength within him to get back up. And the reason for that is because his father was watching. You see, since he was a little boy, his father taught him, you finish what you start. He taught Derek to push through the pain, to pay the price, to go the extra mile, to do what others were unwilling to do because that's the price of champions. And in that moment, sitting on that ground, when it would be so easy and everyone that was watching around the world would understand, his muscle tore. Everyone would say, Derek, stay down. Let him bring you a, a stretcher and, and get you off the, the track. But Derek remembered his father was watching. That boy got up to finish what he started. That day in that race, Derek Redmond may not have received a gold medal because he was favored to win. But that day he received something greater. He became an influence to finish what you start for millions that are still talking about it today in 2020, a story that happened in 1992. You see, Derek was determined to finish a lifelong dream and cross the finish line, to cross the finish line. Now you have to understand, by his father coming down out of the stadium, he was disqualified. <laughs> but it didn't matter. He didn't care about, do I get a medal? Do I get recognition? Do I get praise? The attitude was of that father and that son. We started together, we'll finish together. And they crossed the line together. They finished it. Derek was determined to finish what he started because his father was watching. So my word to you today, regardless of how it looks, just make sure you cross the finish line. You may come across the finish line crying, but get there. You may come limping, but get there. You may need a helping hand, but get there. You may not come in first, but get there. So if you forget everything I said, remember this, no matter how ugly it, it looks, no matter, no matter how ugly it looks, just make sure you finish it. God bless you. I do pray that this word will be taken by the wind of the Holy Spirit and it will inspire you 
finish what you start. I want you, wherever you are, perhaps your living room in a hotel, traveling, wherever you are, if you're able, why don't you get on your feet and sing this song with Stephen and the worship team. Make this song a declaration. Make it a declaration this day that no matter what hell throws at me, as I've said before, let hell do its worst, but through that I will become my best. Make this a declaration. Today, Nike may say, just do it, but we're gonna say, just finish it. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.